You know, uh, I know this might not mean a whole lot coming from a preacher, but my desire is to preach a short message. That's my desire. I don't know if I've ever done it, but that's my desire. I'm looking at the clock, and if that clock's right, I think it is, it's 11-12. But would you mind if I talk to you just a minute? How many of you would object to that? Because if one of you object, I'll just get right to the message. Some people have an idea about church that like once you get in church, all your problems go away. That's not true. I've heard people say all my life, well, you just need to, like when something goes bad, I'll tell you right now, you just need to get in church. Well, you do need to get in church, but just not because things have went bad. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Some people have the idea like when you walk in this building, like just being here, it's like it's going to take all your problems away. It's not true. Can I give you a reason why you ought to be, you ought to belong to a local church? Because nobody was created to be homeless. Now Jesus was homeless. The birds and the fowl had a place to lay their head. The birds and the fowls, he said the birds and the fowls and even the animals had a place to call home. But you know Jesus was here for 33 and a half years. He said, I don't even have a place called home. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus did not even have an earthly home. And uh, I'm from West Virginia and I've never really seen homeless people before <laughs> until I came here. I'm being honest. And uh, I, t I told my wife the other day, I don't even like going to the Walmart on uh, Gun Barrel because about every time I go there, a homeless person hits me up. Or somebody's there in that parking lot asking me for money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, I didn't understand all that. And I've never been told more in my life that I look like Vince Gill than since I've been down here in Chattanooga. <laughs> That's their lineup before they hit me up for money. They'll come up to me. I mean, I, I've been sitting in the parking lot or standing in the parking lot, and I've never been called Vince Gilmore in my life. They'll walk up to me in the parking lot. I said, hey, has anybody ever told you you look just like yes? I said, someone just the other day did. And I'm telling you right now, they're in the worst shape. They're getting ready to go to a job interview. They run out of gas. Their car's broke down, and they just need money to get to the Interview. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But you know, it's sad people are homeless. Don't y'all think that's sad? But you know what's worse? Not having a church home. I'm going to be honest. I couldn't imagine trying to go through this life without a family, a church family, to help bear your burdens with you. I want y'all to know something. We're far from perfect here. But we certainly have a perfect Savior. And I don't know what people think. So I'll tell you right now, I'm, I really shouldn't go to church. People don't know how I live. Well, to be truthful, none of us deserve to be here today. But you know, last time I checked, people don't go to the hospital because they're well. Normally you go to the hospital to the doctor when you're sick. Amen? We're spiritually weak and we're spiritually struggling. A good place to get is down to the church house. 
getting around God's people and be encouraged. Now, if you're going to set nitpick today, you'll have plenty to nitpick. Promise you. You know why? We're all human. But I hope and pray you didn't come here to nitpick today because I hope, I hope, I hope you'll have the kind of attitude and I'll have the kind of spirit and attitude that we'll be tender to what the Lord says to us. Because you say, well, Pastor, why are you saying you come here to nitpick? I've went to places before just to nitpick stuff. Before I ever went there, I knew I wasn't going to like it. You know why? Because I got in an attitude that I thought, man, that gets on my nerves. That gets on my nerves. That gets on my nerves. Well, I don't like the way that was done. And I get all of that. But you know what? I don't told you we're not perfect. But I promise you this. The God we have is perfect and his book is perfect. And we're getting ready to read out of his book. Aren't you glad? Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of John, the gospel according to John? The gospel according to John. I've learned things through my life. I, as a parent, there was a lot of things I would do differently while my children was at home. One of the things that I... There was one particular situation to where a lot of times with my children, uh, we would... Uh, we made them go to a camp one time. I really didn't know a whole lot about it, but I made them go to a camp. And uh, I didn't really realize what all they uh, really had to put up with at that camp. But I went there on Friday night. And uh, something stood out to me. They preached the right, they preached the Bible, they believed the Bible. Um, they would hold all their doctrine the same way we would. I don't believe they preached or taught any error. But one thing I picked up on, my wife and I picked up on when we stepped in on the place. Are y'all ready? And I know there was not one woman there smiling. Not one. Not one lady there in that whole camp was smiling. Not one lady came and greeted us. Not one. Nobody there knew us. We were busy because our children went to the camp. But here was the thing. I, I, here's my question. I thought, where is the joy of the Lord that he promises? One thing I hope that you know about our church is we got some joy around here. I do believe that we hold to the Bible. I want to do things right. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we ever lose our joy, something's wrong. Today I want to look at something that I hope will be very helpful. I want to preach on the last words of Jesus while he was here on earth. And I want you to look in John chapter 19 and uh, let's begin reading with verse 17. Now we know that he's already went through a trial and all of this has been a conjure, a setup job. But we also know bigger than that, that's why Jesus came was... To go to the cross. And so in verse 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull. Which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. And by the way you go to Israel right now and you can go to this very place. And yes it does look like a skull. 
verse 18, where they crucified him and two other were with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews from the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh that city and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What have I what have written? What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith. Now they didn't know that, but they were fulfilling prophecy. And for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, which was John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple, which was John, took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now therefore was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I'm going to stop reading right there. By the way, the account that I just read is a true historical fact. We all know that there was a real man named Jesus that was on this earth and was crucified in the Middle East. And we know that our calendar, our time, everything has been adjusted because of his life and his death. So if you're here this morning and or you know someone that might say, well, I don't believe there is a God. Well, they cannot deny the fact that Jesus Christ was a historical fact. But just knowing that he was a, it was a historical fact only really gives us knowledge. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so today, the message that I'm going to give you this morning, you're going to have to believe it or to act upon it by faith. But I want to look at these last three words. His last three words is, it is finished. It is finished. It's a powerful truth. You know, you can talk a lot and say very little. I do that well. I can take 30 minutes to say something. My wife can say it in five minutes. It's true. But it's a powerful truth. A lot can be said. And sometimes you can say so little... And it means so much. For instance, a little joke here. If you're having an argument with your wife and there's plenty of back and forth and bantering back and forth and then she says one little word. Fine. There's a lot in that word. Because I can promise you this. 
It ain't fine. But it is finished. Three little words. Actually, it's just one word in the original language. Now, I'm not a big Greek scholar. I did not take Greek. I was asked, well, why didn't you take Greek? I said, well, I'm not going to preach in Greek. Amen. People that know Greek make me nervous. And, uh, but I, I have a concordance. I, I have a Strong's. I have some other tools. So even if I did not study Greek, I can still look up words. And by the way, you can too. You can find out what words mean in the original language. And this word, it is finished, is one word in the Greek, and it's tetelestai. Tetelestai. That's the word. If it was if in the written language it was to tell a stop, it is finished. One word. Notice that he did not say, I am finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Why? Because, see, the Pharisees would have loved. They thought he was finished. They thought they had crucified him. You remember years ago, by the way, they did, but more than they crucified him. It was God's plan. Do y'all remember when the movie Jesus came out, the crucifixion of Jesus, and there was such a big stir? And by the way, I believe some of the reason why we have some of the things going on in our country and in our colleges today, which is absolutely absurd and out of ignorance, and yes, I said it, it's ignorance. They don't know history. But a lot of it came from that movie because people were arguing and fighting who put Jesus Christ to death? Did the Romans do it? Did the Jewish people do it? By the way, neither one did it. They were only tools. They were only the vessels. And we, Even right here we read that even the soldiers was fulfilling prophecy and didn't even know it. God has a great plan. And so when we think about this, they were up, they thought, man, we got him. He's dead. We've crucified him. So the Pharisees thought Jesus Christ was finished. They orchestrated his execution. And as Jesus was taken to be crucified, they no doubt congratulated themselves and said, we finally got rid of this troublemaker. He didn't say he was finished. Hey, but it was far from over. It was only the beginning. By the way, I'll tell you somebody else that thought he was finished. He didn't say he was finished. He said it is finished. I'm going to tell you right now, the devil thought he was finished. I want you to know something right now. The devil realized and thought, man, he had won. He and his demons of hell must have had a quite the celebration knowing that Jesus Christ had died. Hey, to some degree, the disciples, the men that had spent every hour with him for the last three and a half years, most, for the most part, they thought he was done too. And the reason we know that is because they were so depressed, they were so distressed, courage and they, he had been telling them for weeks for months he was going to be crucified and taken away it's like they missed it but to be fair if we sit there and watch somebody die we think they're finished too right he didn't say I'm finished he didn't say I am finished listen to me church he said it is finished it is finished. That is so important because it was far from over. And yet, as, as they walked away, the disciples walked away that day after the cross, they were in despair. They were hiding and they were in doubt. 
But I want to focus on these last words. It is finished. One word to telestai. It is finished. What? Here's my message. Y'all ready? I'm thankful for his last words. Because his last words mean a lot to me today. This is Thankful Sunday. We're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. How many of y'all have something to be thankful for? Absolutely, we all do. By the way, we ought to be thankful that we're here. I told Laura yesterday, I can't imagine. I don't know why I was born, where, how, where I was born. I don't know. I'm so thankful that I was born in a home where the Bible was something relevant in our home. I'm glad that I was raised where I was raised. I'm glad the people that had influence in my life. I thought about this many times. What if I was born in Kenya, Africa and didn't even have a church to go to? What if I was born in the jungles of the Amazon? And by the way, those people aren't bad because they're born there. They're thankful for where they're at well. And I'm thankful for missionaries there that go and give them the gospel. But listen to me. I'm glad that I was God. God brought me up and privileged me to have Christian parents. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. So when someone talks to the Bible to me, it's not foreign to me. I'm glad that as a young child, the Lord Jesus was presented to me. And I'm thankful that I knew what church was. And I'm thankful for all of those things. But I'm saying this morning, I am very thankful for his last words because it is finished has a lot of bearing on my life today and it has a lot of bearing on your life today. It is finished to tell us die. Can I just give you some things? I'm thankful for these last words. Y'all know why? Number one, are y'all ready? This is simple. This word to tell us die is a servant's word. Now, slavery was common in those days. I know people, they can't believe that. In Bible days, slavery was common. It wasn't like it was in our country years ago. It was different from early U.S. slavery. I want you to understand, many of the slaves were because they were indebted to somebody. So to be a slave, they became, they chose to be a slave to work off a debt. Uh, maybe someone else, obviously, that was born less fortunate and they had masters to whom they owed money to. And we understand that they would be assigned a task. They would be given something to do. And when they completed, they would return to their master. And if I could quote to you in the language of, of, of Greek, here's how they would say. They would go back to their master and they'd say, to Telestai. In other words, the task that you've given me is completed. By the way, when the Lord Jesus Christ said to Telestai, he just told the world, plus his father, I have come and done exactly what you've had me here to do. John 17, 4 says this, Jesus prayed to his Father, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. Can you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth for one reason? To die. To die. But his death gave life. I've never forgotten this. As a little boy, I was raised in church, and man, it would always make me cry. My little grandson, Cade, loves farm animals. So did I. And I remember hearing a story one day that this farmer had this farm, and all of a sudden, the farm caught on fire. And he had just had a mama chicken, man, and she had had all these little chicks, and she had protected them little chicks. And man, she had... She, he, the farmer loved this chicken with her little clutch of chickens. And man, the... the the barn caught on fire. The farm caught on fire. So after it was all done, that farmer went back 
and said, oh, my goodness, i got to try to find all my animals. And when he came back, he said, i got to find that little old hen. He just loved that little hen. He said, I hope the little chicks are still safe. And he said, but when he walked over there in the corner barn, sure enough, he looked over there, and there was that mother. She was, her feathers were all singed, and he could tell before he even got over there to that little old hen that she was dead. And, boy, he walked over there closer to her, and this farmer had, you know, and by the way, you, you kind of fall in love with animals, don't you? I kind of have one now that's my buddy. And uh, he walked over to that chicken and he said, oh my goodness, she's dead. And, so, and about that time, that, that little chicken started to move a little bit. Them feathers, them wings started to move a little bit. He said, certainly she's not alive. And so he went over there and he just went to touch her. When he did, all them little chicks come out from underneath her. She saved their lives by giving hers. So don't sit out there and tell me today that life can't come from death. Life comes from death. Jesus died that we can be saved. It is finished. It was the task. We should aspire someday also to be able to say to the Father, to tell us die. It is finished. I have fought a good hey, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I hope and pray that's all of we'll be able to say to God when we meet Him. Make sure you're a servant in Christ's church. We're God's slaves and we choose to serve him. He doesn't make us serve him. He owns us and he is a wonderful master. How many of you would say amen? We don't serve. We don't come to church because we have to. We don't do things for the Lord because we have to. We do it because we want to. He's a good master. Can I say whom we choose to serve for he is worthy. We aren't saved to sit soaking sour. You know what we're saved? We're saved to serve. So we ought to be like a servant. And I hope at the end of all of our lives, we can say to tell us die. It is finished. Can I say, J.L. Kraft, who formed the largest cheese company in America in his day, he lived in Chicago. He attended church there. He's attended the North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago. Most of you probably don't know this. And uh, he served as a superintendent of the Sunday school there. He was a multi-multi-millionaire. All of you, how many of y'all like Kraft cheese? He founded it. He was a Christian. And uh, how many of you ever heard of W.A. Criswell? W.A. Criswell used to pastor one of the largest churches in Texas, Dallas, Texas. Now uh, Brother Jeffrey's pastor's there. George Truett pastored there. W.A. Criswell was a man of God. I've got one of his books in my office that we studied in Bible college. It's on church polity. Powerful book, but he was a man of God. He came to visit this church up in Chicago, and when he came, Criswell was visiting from Dallas one day, and he asked Mr. Kraft, the multimillionaire, he said, how can you organize such a large Sunday school class when you must have so much work to do with your great cheese company? How he responded is amazing. He replied, God did not put me here to make cheese. That's the way I make my living. God put me here to do his work in his church. Sorry for the cheesy illustration. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all something right now. There are so many people that misses it. I want you all to know something. Your job is not what you do. If you're a Christian, you're bigger than that. 
God didn't put you here just merely to do. You, you name your occupation. There's something greater than that. By the way, we work because we have to eat. We work because we have to support our family. We work because we have to carry on the work of God. But if we're Christians, we ought to be able to go back to heaven when he calls us home and say, to Telestai, it's finished. We accomplished what you wanted us to while we were here. It's a servant's word. The Lord said to the God, His Father, He said, I've done what you've asked. It's finished, God. It's a servant's word. Can I say it's a priestly word? To Telestai. What does that mean? He said, it is finished. What does that mean? It's a perfect sacrifice. You know, this word was taken right out of the Old Testament. They had this elaborate animal system. And y'all know, if you've read the Old Testament, they had an animal sacrificing system. If the lamb was to be sacrificed. If you couldn't afford a lamb, you could get a pigeon, you could get other things. But there was this elaborate sacrifice. And here's what's amazing. Before the priest could sacrifice that little lamb to atone for the sins of his people, of the people of God, for a time, he had to be given, he had to have a lamb. And that lamb had to be spotless. It had to be without blemish. So what would that priest do? He would look that thing over. He would look in this little lamb's mouth. He would look all over him. He'd fill him. And he would make sure that he was perfect. Why? Because he was going to atone. God had already put the ramifications. He'd already put the qualification. If you're going to sacrifice something, it has to be this way. That lamb had to be perfect. Y'all know where I'm going. By the way, when Jesus Christ died, He was the perfect Lamb. He was without spot. He was without blemish. He was the only one that could pay the price for our sin because He didn't have sin running through His veins. You can look the Lord Jesus over and over and over and you'll come to the same fact. He's the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. It's a priestly word. When he looked up to his father, he looked out in the world and said, Tetelestai, it is finished. He's saying, hey, I want you to know, Jesus uttered these three words on the cross. He was qualified to do so. He's our great high priest. It's finished. Now let me help you all with something. I'll help myself. If it was us on the cross, we couldn't have said it's finished. Y'all know why? Because we're all born sinners. Everyone here has been born of man and woman. And because we've been born a man and woman, sin runs through our veins. And by the way, our sin has to be paid for. It has to be covered, and we can't cover it. That's another sad thing in the day we live in. People think coming to church or getting baptized or living a good life will cover your sins. No, the only thing that will cover your sins is the priest. And the priest of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it is finished. Once the lamb was qualified, the priest would hold it up and say, to Telestai, this one's it. We're going to sacrifice this lamb. He's perfect. And by the way, when the Lord Jesus was raised upon that cross, and he said, it is finished. He said, it's complete. It's done. He said, I'm qualified to say this. I'm thankful this morning. This is why it's wrong for a person to try to get to heaven by some other way. And by the way, you say, Pastor, are you talking about other religions? I'm talking about anything that tries to get to heaven without Jesus. 
Y'all know why? I'm going to tell you why. It's absolutely foolish. Now look, I'm not a carpenter. I'm horrible at it. I, I'm scared to tackle anything because to be fair, it's probably worse when I get done. But I have some sense. If I look at my roof, I can tell y'all right now, it does not need a new roof on it. Now I have enough sense to know that. It doesn't need a new roof on it. So for me to go out there and put the effort and the work to put a new roof on something, wouldn't that be foolish? How many of y'all think that'd be foolish? Okay, same with salvation. God's smarter than me. And let me just say this. If there was some way we could get to heaven without Him, how foolish He would be. Why would He even come and die on a cross if we can go up here and get dunked in water and get to heaven? Wouldn't that be a waste of His time? I have enough sense not to change my roof. God has enough sense not to spend 33 and a half years on this earth to do something that we don't need. That is so simple to me. Would you reason with me? Maybe you're a scoffer this morning. Say, ah, are you one of them people that believe the only way to heaven is Jesus? Yes. It's foolish to think anything else. Why would he come if there's some other way we could get to heaven? That's why I'm against someone saying, oh, Brother Mark, I'm going to tell you how you get saved. You've got to live a good life. No, you get saved, then you ought to desire to live a good life. But by the way, even though you're saved, you're still a sinner, but praise God, you've been given grace. We live in such a confused society today, and people are scared to death to talk about the most important things. Where are you going to die when you, where are you going to go when you die? It matters, your plan of salvation. By the way, your plan of salvation won't get you there. It's His. It is absolutely foolish to think that I can go up here and get put in tap water because by the way, there's no such thing as holy water. It's just tap. Chlorine's still in it. Whatever we're drinking from the cities in this water. It's amazing to me. Oh, I tell you what, I'm going to heaven because I got baptized. Like that water has some saving factor in it. No, Jesus saves Reason with me a minute. Have you ever come across me? Oh, I'll tell you right now. I got to give money to the church. I got to get to heaven. You giving as much money to the church is never going to get you to heaven. How are we going to get to heaven? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it. That's my only way in. That's your only way in. You say, oh, Pastor Mark, you preach that narrow salvation. No, I preach it the way the Bible preaches It's a priestly word. In other words, Jesus did it. There's nothing we can do to, imperfect, to perfect it. He's already, listen, here's what's amazing. You know D.L. Moody, he, he was riding on a passenger train one day, and, and the engineer heard of him. And he said, man, he told the conductor, he said, go back there and get Mr. Moody and bring him back up here to the engine. I want to talk to him. 
So the whole time he was up there in that engineer, up in the engine with that engineer, that engineer just kept talking about how good he was and what all he'd done. And man, Moody was getting an earful of what a good person this man was and how he was going to go to heaven because he had kept holy rituals and how he had lived the Ten Commandments. And man, Mr. Moody was listening to all that. And about that time, Moody looked at that engineer and he said, Sir, he said, allow me to explain to you the difference between your way to heaven and God's way to heaven. You spell salvation do, God spells it done. It's done. Tetelestai, it's finished. He died. He gave up the ghost and he said it's finished. So can I say, it's a priestly word, it's a servant's word. Can I quickly say, because I'm going to try to keep my promise, I'm going to preach a short message. Too late. I think I'm going to close with this one. Yeah, I'm going to close with this one. It's an artist word. When an artist, and by the way, I'm no artist, but when an artist finishes, a, finishes the stroke of his masterpiece, you know, we all know that the Greek artisans, they led uh, the world in creativity. By the way, they spoke Greek. And so when they put that last stroke, when they put their name on it, Here's what he said. They would say, Tetelestai. It's finished. Nothing else. No more. Don't need to touch it. It's a masterpiece. Now, <laughs> y'all remember Bob Ross? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I was at a place, we went on vacation, and I, I, I just kept it on that channel. I mean, it was every... Right, one right after another, Bob Ross would come on. And I'm going to be honest, if y'all don't know who Bob Ross is, y'all need to, if y'all want to get calmed down and be happy and go to little happy places, you ought to just watch 30 minutes of it. Because some of you need it, because some of you can't even smile here today. God help us. I mean, we get to a place where we can't even smile and enjoy life. I'm going to be honest with you, if a Christian can't, I, I, I can't even imagine but I'm talking about Bob Ross. I don't know if the man was saved or not. But I'm going to say this. He created happiness. And he says, your little world, you can put it anywhere you want to. Some of us need to put some happiness in our world. And he said, put a little treat. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, most of you know him by his hair. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. I, I've, I've even... I've even watched about his life. It was sad how the people took him. The, the people took his, basically took all of his wealth from his family. There were shysters that was involved in it, and he thought they were good people, and all they were doing were using him. But I, I'm going to be honest. Here's what amazes me. In 30 minutes, that man could create a masterpiece on there. But when it all started out, here's what y'all ready. All it looked like to me was a glob of paint. I mean, all he ever done was circles. But before he would start on that canvas, he'd always say, if y'all ever watch his show, he said, no, I've, I've coated this whole canvas with some pure white. Pure white. He said, if you don't do that, because my style of paint and everything mixes together. And he says, I, it's your world. You can do anything you want. I have one little tree right here. And he put a tree. And man, it amazed me. Man, he could put the depth in there. And man, he would keep coming forward. And then he'd put water in there. And he'd put the shadow in there. And I'm sitting there going, man, this is amazing. 
And it all started out with just globs of paint. But he would create a masterpiece in 30 minutes, and then the real good ones, he'd say, I think I'll sign that one. And he'd put his name on there. R-O-S-S. You know what he did with that final stroke? He said, to tell us die, it's finished. That's all that needs to be on there. And today, you try to buy his original paintings, which you can't. Just even the ones that aren't even real will cost you an arm and a leg. Why do I bring this up? I could never see when he started what he was going to end up with. And you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, it didn't fit in with all what the disciples had pictured either. They didn't think that's how he was going to die. They didn't think that was how it was going to end. And listen to me, they, they didn't think that's the way it was going to. But see, they thought when he died, this thing's over, this thing's ruined. But see, when he said it to tell us, I know, I'm just putting the finishing touches on my masterpiece. Same in our lives. When it looks like things are coming together and all of a sudden a big blob of paint gets blasted into our life. And all we see is the dark threads of discouragement and we see the grays of the winter time and we get hit with all this stuff in life and we're just looking and saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Listen to me, he's still working on us. And see, we're seeing everything from down here, but if we could get up on his side and look down, we would see a perfect plan because here, when we get to heaven, it's going to be like this. It is finished. My masterpiece is completed. See, it's an artist's word. He says, my masterpiece is completed. See, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Workmanship means, it means poem. Or it means a work of art. Do you know that God is trying to make us a work of art? And he's touching up on our lives. And so I'm thankful. And then as I close, and I am, I'm going to shut my Bible. One other word. to Tetelestai, it's a merchant's word. Y'all ready? Paid in full. He stamped it. Y'all like that when you get, if you've been paid on the bill, and about that time they'll say paid in full? That's Tetelestai. It's paid in full. Everything required has been taken care of. By the way, Jesus did not excuse your sin. He did not overlook my sin. He didn't bypass our sin. Sin has to be paid for. Jesus paid for it in full. So it would be foolish for you to pay for it again. I hear people say, oh, I tell you right now, I'm not going to trust Jesus as my Savior. Okay. Pay for it yourself. That's like me going up here to the restaurant and somebody pays for my meal and I look at them and say, nah, I'm going to pay you too. Nobody does that. But it's funny. We want to pay for our own salvation. I want to leave on a happy note. You don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid it in full. Today, if you don't know for sure you're saved, you can be. I can promise you this. Jesus Christ will save you today. How many of you know that's true? I hope and pray you know him today. With head bowed, eyes closed, and Miss Donna's coming to the piano. We're going to close this morning. That last word, it is finished, is a good word, isn't it? To tell us die. It's a merchant's word. It's paid in full. Can I ask just quickly?
You say, Pastor Mark, I am so glad this morning. I don't deserve it, but I, I, I know there was a time and a day in my life that I asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. And I know I have accepted him and he has paid for my sin in full. And I'm just thankful for that today. How many of you with testimony? Are you glad you saved? Would you raise your hand? Isn't that a blessing? Man, that's a blessing, isn't it? But you say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I can't say with a surety that I, I know. I'm, I'm a little confused about this thing. Well, listen, you're in the right place. We'll take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Don't be afraid. I'd be alarmed to hear a message like this and do nothing about it. So maybe that's you today. You say, Pastor Mark, pray for me. I'm a little confused, and I sure would like to know more about being saved. I'd sure like to know more about how I can know Jesus Christ as my Savior. You say, that's me this morning. There's nobody looking with head bowed, eyes closed. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you just quickly raise your hand let me sit? I'll pray for you. I promise. Is there anyone like that this morning? Bless you. Let's stand up.